The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The following podcast contains explicit language. But this isn't about him. This is about justice. This is about holding on to what's ours. This is about my company and my name. And I will not be bullied into submission. <laughs> oh, I just want to say thank you so much for bringing me in for this. There are not roles like this for women right now. It's really, ooh, <laughs> it's really great. You're reading the man's part. Hey there, everyone. Welcome back to Represent, and I'm Aisha Harris, your host. On today's episode, we're heading to the mat to discuss Netflix's new series, Glow, based on the bizarre, real-life, all-ladies wrestling spectacle of the same name that aired on Saturday mornings throughout the late 1980s. I interviewed one of the stars, Betty Gilpin, who plays a former soap actress turned housewife turned gorgeous lady of wrestling. That's the acronym for GLOW. But first, it's time that we bring back one of my favorite segments, pre-woke watching. Slate Science editor Susan Matthews sat down with me a few months ago. Yes, we've been holding on to this for some time now, so I apologize. And we reflected upon a show that was integral to her adolescence and young adulthood. So... What are we going to be talking about? My show that I want to talk about is one that I think a lot of people might be thinking about right now because it is Gilmore Girls, which aired (laughs) in the early 2000s and seemed delightful and then just returned to us this Thanksgiving and made me realize a couple of things about the the entire season. Um, So I started watching the show right when it launched. I think I was in middle school Mm -hmm. and it was like the one show that I watched with my mom and my sister. I related to one of the main characters, Rory, quite a bit. She was a kind of shy, bookish girl who lived in a small town in New England. Stars Hollow. Stars Hollow. It's it, the, so idyllic. Um, I also lived in a small town. I wanted to be a journalist. There's the running joke, I think, a, 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 around a lot of journalists my age who kind of say, did you base your life around Rory? Yeah, I based my life around Rory a little I bit. I didn't That's realize that was a thing. It's totally, I mean, she goes to college. She becomes the editor-in-chief of her newspaper. I did that. Like, my sister, who also watched it with me and did not go into journalism, always mocks me for this. <laughs> so, yeah. So we I watched the show when I was in middle school and high school. It wrapped up right when I was graduating from high school. It honestly seemed like almost a feminist show. It, it is based around these women and their mother-daughter relationship. The mother is a single mom. Like There were so many things about it that felt good. And I hadn't really rewatched it that extensively 
since the original viewings. Um, and then in Thanksgiving of this year, they relaunched the series um, with this four-part special thing that came out on Netflix. And so I was sitting there with my sister and my mom, and we were watching it. And the it was it wasn't until and we binge watched it, but it wasn't until about three episodes in where there was this scene that happened where Rory, who's floundering, is taken by her old friends from Yale, her secret society friends, on this weird, mystical, like, night adventure through these small towns. And they're wearing these fantastical costumes, and they're dancing, and there's crazy music. And it's supposed to just be fun, but I was watching it, and I was just all of a sudden so deeply embarrassed, like, for the show and for myself, because the other... Very embarrassing thing is that when I was in college, I was in a secret society, which is something that I don't like talking about now. It's just such a manifestation of so many weird things. What is it like Illuminati type of thing? Or like it's like okay, so mine isn't as bad as other ones, but I went to Dartmouth, which has a very old school like broy culture. Yes, and it does yes, <laughs> completely. And mine is slightly less problematic because mine was kind of the nerd secret society, and I was in it because I was editor of the newspaper and. My specific secret society had started in the 1970s because the editor of the newspaper became a woman and another secret society wouldn't let the woman in. And so they started this one to have a co-ed one, which was a big deal at the time, which like seems progressive. But then you're like, this is all within the context of secret societies, which are just the most elite thing at an elite institution, like squared. It's just it's just gross. It's just like there's no point. And it's just disgusting. And I was watching it. And one of my friends who was also in the secret society just texted me saying, note to self, like doing anything, having anything to do with your secret society when you're in your 30s is not a cute look. And I just replied, I was like, it was not a cute look when we were in our 20s. Like, this is just a bad thing. Um, So after that scene, I was just watching it. And like, right after that, there's this terrible moment where Rory's rich ex-boyfriend is like, you can go write your novel in my like second home or third home or fifth home probably. The house like, you in can like just the have mountains. It. Yeah, the house in, the, in Maine or wherever it was. Yeah. And she's like, no, 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 I'm going to speak. I'm going to do it myself. And then she just goes and does the same thing with her own rich grandparents. And there was this moment where it's like you realize that every single thing in this show is just like privilege upon privilege upon privilege. Um, and even I actually had a really hard time with how that how the reboot of the series ended Um I don't know if we're spoilers, but it yeah, basically it's like two months later. Yeah, can... if you if you're a Gilmore Girls fan, you should have watched it. But the end of the show was really one character gets married and the other one's having a baby, and it just really devastated my understanding my my much younger understanding of the show as like a feminist approach to life, and it just kind of wrapped up these ends in this really standard, typical way that just felt so disappointing. And for me, as like a woman in New York who kind of modeled part of parts of her life after both of the characters it just felt like oh that oh god (laughs) and there were just so many problematic as soon as I started like looking back at it I was like oh oops oops (laughs) yeah so have you watched any of the gone back and watched any of the old episodes and like sort of seen it for what it is or I haven't I guess you don't really need to yeah it hasn't changed much I think um the interesting I mean, it, it is interesting because there used to be like a slightly there used to be a slightly more class 
situation between Lorelai, who was the struggling single mom, and the parents. And so that was like, may I, I would want to rewatch some of those episodes to c- try to understand what that dynamic was and if it was really as bad as I think it was. I think it probably was. In this reboot, it was just like, all people who have all the money that they need making bad decisions and and screwing up and complaining about it, which was just bad. But is that like inherently worse than like – and so this is like a criticism that a lot of people lodged against something like Transparent, which is like it's just a bunch of rich people who have – who are still miserable, but like you're supposed to care about them, which I don't know if that's true. You're supposed to like actually yeah, like I, them. So I haven't watched Transparent. The thing that I actually think is interesting – I, I mean, I do. I did think that there was, there is a place for a show about like a struggling single mom who rejects all of the like nepotism that she could have just embraced. I think that that is interesting. Like that, we shouldn't. I I don't know. I'm not the person who gets to decide these things, but like that's a relevant thing to explore. Maybe. Um, I think the problem with the reboot. And the thing that made all of this really come into such contrast was that in the reboot, everyone was basically very privileged. And yet they were still very much complaining about their lives. And specifically, Rory had everything handed to her and she had not made it. And it and it mostly also seemed like a complete problem of her not being willing to put in the work. Like she just seemed lazy and unorganized in this very strange way that also was not typical of her character originally, which made her hard. It was very hard to be sympathetic towards any of her problems. So on top of her problems seeming very minor, it was also like her own fault, like <laughs> very right. clearly. So all that being said, do you still find you joy in the show? Do you still find it worth watching? Or is it is is was that enough to sort of turn you off from this series as a whole? So I think that I will not rewatch the reboot, but there's something very sentimental to me about the first uh, the the original like seven seasons, really the original six seasons, it got very bad in the last. But um, so and I think that because it has this like very um, familial connection to me, I think that there will be times where I'm home and I'll watch an episode with my mom just like snuggling on the couch and I'll feel happy and fine about it. Um, for me, the main lesson was like, oh, check yourself and like I will I will no longer ever mention it. I I don't think I do this but particularly the society thing just like the the parallels between my own life and Rory's just became so disgustingly <laughs> apparent and it was like I don't think that that's Gilmore Girls problem like I can still have a relationship with Gilmore Girls but it just made me more painfully aware about how I need to carry myself through the world and like realize that I've had some very bizarre life experiences that are crazy so I don't think that I have to stop watching the show, and I think that that's fine. But I think that it was a good mirror to be held up in front of me. Yeah, (laughs) it sounds like it it changed your your life in a way, even if in a small way, but in a very crucial way. way. Yeah, (laughs) not aspiring to be Rory Gilmore anymore is a very positive life step (laughs) for for most women, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Here, here. (laughs) Thank you so much, Susan. Thank you.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, my conversation with Betty Gilpin. So the premise of the new Netflix series, which is now streaming, is simple and deliciously weird. In the 1980s, schlock filmmaker Sam Sylvia, played by Mark Maron, is looking to fund his passion project by way of making a low-budget TV series called Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. It's an over-the-top, fantastical showcase in which a group of women fight each other in service of the male gaze. He casts a group of ragtag actresses of all looks and types, including Alison Brie as Ruth, who must learn to live and wrestle together despite their differences. Executive produced by Orange is the New Black's Genji Cohen, the show deals with what it was like to be a woman working in Hollywood 30 years ago from a variety of perspectives. I spoke with Gilpin, who Nurse Betty fans may recognize as the nervous Dr. Carrie Ramon, about playing the beautiful former soap star Debbie Egan being typecast, and finding empowerment through wrestling. Check it out. Well, Betty, it's a pleasure to have you in our Brooklyn studios here. It's so nice to be here. Yeah, thank you. We, Verilyn and I, have actually, we finished the entire series. Amazing. We binged it. Um, (laughs) I was a fan. I think Verilyn was also a fan. She's nodding. Awesome. (laughs) How long did it take you? Uh, uh, I, I spread it out a bit. Yeah. So it, I, I did like I finished most of it in the, uh, yesterday and today. Yes. But I started last week. So that's good. It's good to spread it out. I've been binging The Keepers on Netflix, mm. and I haven't been spreading it out. I've just been doing it in one sitting, and I feel like you lose start to lose consciousness. Which one is that about? I it's the documentary it. series about the nun who was murdered. Oh, is it good? Uh, it is amazing. Okay. But I'm feeling like addiction level need for it currently. Mm. So I need to take a little break. Yes, yes. Well, I feel like this is a lot easier to binge probably. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, it's a little lighter than nun murder. Yes. So (laughs) I I actually went through most of like watching almost all of the show before realizing that it's actually based on a true, like it was actually a show. Yes. Yeah. Were you aware of this before? Before I read the script, I was not aware of GLOW. So Mm -hmm. GLOW stands for Gorgeous Ladies of Wrestling. And it was a real show from, I think, 1984. Five to 1990, mm-hmm. um, and it played on Saturday mornings, and it was uh, kind of a, similar to our show in that it was a ragtag group of women who were not wrestlers previously, but who just sort of learned to wrestle and came up with insane characters, and children and weird men watched mm-hmm. the show. <laughs> <laughs> and we're hoping for a larger demographic yes. for our show. Well, I yes, I think it's not quite the same thing. Yeah, no. But there are some similarities. Like, yeah. obviously, you know, the women are playing types. And, mm-hmm. and I watched some clips of YouTube on YouTube of the original. It was, I don't know, it was very, very, it was even weirder than the show, I think, makes it out to be. Yes. I don't want to hear any of that mumbo jumbo. Ah! Not America now. You speak English. I want to hear English. Oh, my, the adrenaline's flowing today, baby. You can see right there, Spanish Red and Americana are getting into it. No wrestling, just verbal insults. 
This is a grudge match. It's Glow. I'm David McClain, your host. It's and so finish. bizarre. I highly recommend YouTubing the original Glow. It's, yeah, it's all it's all on there. Yes, it's so hard to explain. They're rapping. Mm-hmm. Um, they do skits in between matches. Uh, and then, but it's really character driven. They came up with crazy, insane characters, and so every wrestling match, there's a heel and a face, right? Uh, so a bad guy and a good guy, um, and they, it's sort of, it's like Barbie Coliseum is what I would call it. There's something very like centuries old about it, and then so 1985 and insane. Yeah, no, Barbie Coliseum is actually a really good way of putting it. I was trying to think of like, what's the best way to talk about this in the most concise way? And that's like... Barbie Coliseum. Exactly. How was it pitched to you exactly? Um, well, I had known Liz Flayhive and Carly Mensch, the creators of GLOW, uh, through Nurse Jackie. And they told me uh, as friends years ago that they were working on this thing. And they said, they just said, um, we're working on a female wrestling show set in the 80s. Um, And I was immediately really excited because, um, I don't know, I I feel like there's a trend going on with female roles of everything being as small as possible. Mm -hmm. Small facial expressions, small bodies, small, uh, tiny little sentences and tiny little movements, um, kind of subtle minimalism tiny chickadee girls. Um, And I am not that way. I was raised to be, my mom was the clowniest, is the clowniest person there is and Mm. would moon us every day on the way to school. And um, that is the kind of acting I wanted to do, sort of the biggest, monstriest clown I could be. Um, And so wrestling sort of lends itself to that. And so does the 80s, strangely. So when they first told me about it, I was like, oh, this sounds kind of perfect and amazing. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, Sort of what you're talking about in in the sort of the smaller, small acting in terms of making things smaller. Mm-hmm. I, I do think that lends itself at least to protagonists, female protagonists. I can yes. think of a lot of, you know, character actresses maybe who yeah. can be bigger. Um, right. But it seems like you tend to you, – you, your type, because I think – it's important to talk about type in this yes. case because glow is all about type. Yes. What is your type and how would you, how would you describe what you're usually cast as and you know I know that you you did theater your background is mm-hmm. in theater yeah. but when you came to Hollywood you know what were you told that you are what you were likely to be auditioning for Right. So I um in high school was looked very different than I look now. I kind of went through a second puberty much to my chagrin. That's I was fun. it was so fun. <laughs> um I was like a foot shorter than I am now, no curves, tiny tiny long stringy brown hair. And uh when I first auditioned for stuff right out of college, um I auditioned for uh, the uh I could sort of they let you be a character when you look like that. Mm-hmm. I was playing crack addicts and lesbians and people with hard lives and you know uh and then all of a sudden, a second puberty punched me in the face and I, my boobs like quadrupled in size. I dyed my hair blonde for a part and I got taller. I just became um, a curvier, boobier, uh, blonder presence in the room. And um, the strange thing that happened was I started to – my type and the characters I would audition for were sort of the girls um, – whose books I would carry in high school. Mm. Like the 
Barbies, like really. Sweet Valley High. Totally. And, yeah. Yes, kind of Voldemort, vocal fry, uh, you know, perfect Barbie people mm. who, you know, uh, are sort of like the mean ones at the beginning. Um uh, who then, like, their boyfriend leaves them so they can be with the pixie dream girl. Yeah. Um, and that was sort of my type and not how I felt on the inside. Um, I, I I think that, you know, wrestling sort of plays on that um, myth that people are one type or one thing and a woman is one kind of person. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, even... Paris Hilton cries in her bathroom, <laughs> just like the rest of us. <laughs> yes. I find that hard to believe. Oh, Do you know she... from personal experience? No. Oh. <laughs> but I'm sure she does. Yeah, and we love yeah. you, Paris. It's going to be okay. <laughs> I think she's probably doing fine. Yeah. But like, how was that sort of, was it rough for you? I mean, in addition to going through puberty to then all of a sudden kind of have to, in a way, reset your your career or where you wanted your career to be? Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it sort of felt like the characters I was playing um, were sort of 10 steps ahead of where I was in how I thought about myself and my body. You know, people who I would play people who um, walk into a room and say, you know, I think I'm fantastic and sort of strut across the room. Mm-hmm. And um, I was very far, I still am very far from feeling that way about my own self. Um, so while I, you know, I kind of felt like there are two people who, uh, kinds of people who become actors, like the kids who are at the middle of the pl- playground who love all the attention and then the kids at the side of the playground who are like taking weird notes on human behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like that I was definitely that the latter kid, yeah. the weird bug kid. Um, and I suddenly felt like, oh, and now I'm having to pretend to be the other kind of kid. Yeah. Um, and that uh, – Although I had taken lots of notes on that kind of kid and could draw on on what I'd learned from watching her from, you know, the bushes in a creepy way, uh, I certainly wasn't her. And I think people confuse that sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it it also must lend – it must have lent some influence into your own personal life too of just Mm -hmm. like going into auditions and having that, you know, or just walking down the street. I think women – you know, women have different experiences of – being women but yeah. i think we all have depending on what we look like and 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 how we're perceived like the the experiences can be vastly different and was that something you also had to sort of adjust to and and do you bring that into your own work and, and especially this character now of like everyone every like not every scene but most scenes in glow in some way comment on your appearance and, yeah. and nurse jackie was sort of the same. You yeah. had the same sort of your character was like the dumb blonde quote unquote right but, right but underneath it was actually very competent. Yeah, I mean, I um, I turned thirty this year, and I thank you. <laughs> um, and I guess <clears throat> before Glow and before the election, I thought that I had come a lot farther in um, my own confidence and how I thought about myself as a person and my own body. And I think the election and. Uh, wrestling really made me uh, realize how much shame I still had attached to um, the way I thought about myself. Um, 
and that even though I had been, I would, you know, exercise, it was still like for the male gaze. I was taking exercise classes that, you know, it's like purple lighting and Kesha blasting and some woman with vocal fry screaming at you that, you know, basically work off the pie from your tricep or you'll never get a boyfriend was the subtext. Mm -hmm. Um, And um, wrestling was the first time that I used my body in a functional, powerful way um, that had nothing to do with the way I was looked at. Uh, And um, yeah, I I also, (laughs) I also think that glow and wrestling, it's sort of, um, it's kind of an allegory for how acting feels sometimes where as an actress or how I felt where to me it felt it can feel like this sort of imagination church where I've come up with this character and I'm basically reading my childhood journal out loud to you and I'm showing you the innermost part of my soul and I look out into the crowd and uh, one person's asleep and one person is like a 45 year old man watching it at like porn. Mm-hmm like my childhood journal. <laughs> and um, I think that uh, that that's a man brain problem. And we can't change that. But I, I sort of felt the onus on myself to be like, okay, you have to start to change the way that you think about yourself. Yeah. Were you filming Glow during the election? Yes. Or, okay. Yeah. And were you still filming after? Yes, we filmed from September to December. Okay, so I, I actually I did a I did a piece a little bit after the election, and there were lots of other pieces about um, the way in which around the election and after, especially women felt uh, scared mm-hmm. and and felt powerless, and so a lot of them were going to they were taking martial arts classes, they were you mm-hmm. know taking they were going to gun ranges, they were like wow. taking their power yeah. in a way, or at least trying to set themselves up for, you know, this world is getting scary. Yes. What do we do? And yeah. it sounds sort of like, even though obviously that that this is a role, this is your job, it's not, but like it sounds like yeah. wrestling, you were able to sort of connect in that way of, of feeling like this is, I'm taking some power in some way that like another man, their gaze can't take away from me. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I um after the after we shot, I went to the women's march in DC, um, and something that struck me looking around at everybody was that so much of the experiences that bind us as women are things that um, experiences that we thought we were the only one that had. Mm-hmm. You know, think moments alone in our rooms in high school or Planned Parenthood or wherever that we thought we were the only ones that ever experienced, or certain levels of shame or. Um, or, you know, (laughs) writing bad poetry or whatever it is uh, that binds us. And I think that there is such power in lifting that veil, being like, I felt that too. Um, And uh, there were so so many qualities that I was always um, afraid that I didn't have that strong women had. Um, And realizing that if you don't have those qualities, just surrounding yourself with women that do have those qualities, they're actually contagious. Mm -hmm. Um, And I felt that with the glow cast, Um, you know, from after wrestling with them and being around 13 other women, I, I would start to merge on the highway more confidently. I sent back the wrong dessert for the first time at a restaurant instead of being like, it's fine. I like vanilla just as much as chocolate. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, I, 
at my wedding, I was surrounded by women who, you know, held my face and told me, like, it's okay to have a day of self-celebration. I'll do the bug spray baskets if mm-hmm. you need to, like, lie face down in terror. Um, so I think that, yeah, if anything, the election just uh, rallied the troops. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a moment in the show where <clears throat> you you're actually so you, all the characters are coming up with their own characters. The the women who are in this uh, this project that Sam, who is played by Mark Marin, mm-hmm. is putting together the glow. They all are trying to come up with these characters, and there's like a sort of montage where they are doing an on camera. Um, he's filming it, and they're introducing their new characters for the first time. Right. So what I found really fascinating about your moment in that scene uh-huh. is so first off we get um I forget the the character's name, but she winds up being Viking or Vicky Viking. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but at first she auditions and she's like, I'm a two time medalist and I love America, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, the Sebastian, who is the I guess the producer sort of or uh-huh. the producer and Sam were like, why don't we try your character? <laughs> yeah. And so you do it. Because I'm a two time Olympic medalist who loves America. I'm Liberty Bell. I'm the athlete. Those are my actual medals. She seemed more all-American. And she's looking over like, but I'm the actual two-time medalist. And they're like, but you don't look, you don't have that all-American look. Right. And so what I found interesting about that, the the idea that like you are the way you look are the quote-unquote American look and the way in which all these other women, like your character, for instance, she is... She, we know that you can get work whenever you want to, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, Ruth, um, Alison Bree's character, and all the other characters are like, I haven't worked in so long. This is what I want. Is that something? How did that translate in terms of like your personal life? Have you become aware of the ways in which you're you have these advantages of being able to get these sort of roles that other women might not be able to get or might not be considered for? Uh, because of the way I look? Yeah. Um, God, that would be nice if I could get any role that I, <laughs> I don't feel that way. You know, I think, sure. um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. I, uh, you know, I, I haven't had that experience. Um, I have sort of been in this sort of sweet spot or not sweet spot of working for 10 years and making my living as an actor, but you know, I um, I, I still worry about my rent, and there are mm-hmm. still stretches of months where I don't work. Uh, and I think that um, yes, after two hours of award-winning artists painting my face, I may <laughs> look like a Barbie, but I don't. I certainly don't feel that way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think for Debbie, my character uh, in Glow, I think that um. It was interesting to me to think about what is it when a woman is taught that her value is uh, things that will eventually expire, her looks, mm-hmm. um, her body, uh, you know, and that the, the she's 30 now and the timer on her being the, you know, curvy ingenue is almost up. Mm-hmm. Um, and that uh, the way that maybe she gets parts, you know, by – squinting and charming people is not using her full capacity of herself. So 
I think, yes, that episode um, where she's trying on that character and just smiles and says, I'm Liberty Bell. I think that's the the she hasn't quite cracked um, wrestling yet and Mm -hmm. what that means and that um, it's actually requires a hundred percent of herself and not just, you know, uh, her posing uh, and fluttering her eyelashes, but that it's actually about blood and snot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess what I meant <clears throat> more so by that question was in terms of like women as a whole just mm-hmm. get the short shrift in general in yeah. Hollywood. That's just the way it is. Right. But of course, as with every every demographic, there are hierarchies that are established. Yeah. And I don't want to give the ending away give the ending away um, yeah. for those who haven't seen it. But like, I think that the last scene of that episode of the final episode of the yeah. series right. or the second to last um, kind of plays with the idea that like the, you know, especially the women of color or the women who might not be like gender conforming or might not be what like men would find necessarily attractive or conventionally attractive. Uh-huh. Um, they're, they're fighting in a different way. They have a different battle to, to fight for and I I guess my question more so was like when did have you become are you aware of that I'm sure you, you are and like in what way like are you auditioning with other people was this something maybe the glow cast kind of talked about because you know you have all these women together and I'm sure you guys probably shared stories about like what it's like to audition and how much it sucks yeah sometimes <laughs> yeah I mean I think wrestling plays on that that you know in wrestling there's a you're this type of person uh, and it's very black and white. I mean, I, uh, and you know, you're either a good girl or a bad girl. You're either uh, a beauty queen or, you know, a a welfare queen or a welfare (laughs) queen. Um, And, you know, life is much grayer than that. Uh, Yeah. I mean, we all have horror stories Um, and yeah, well, sometimes, uh, it seems like being um, the – I don't want to keep saying Barbie, but like the, being the um, the Miss America type, yeah. <laughs> um, though I certainly don't feel that way, uh, seems like it's um, – us, you know, could have like status over other – it doesn't feel that way because it feels like um, – it feels like, you know, men put you on a pedestal to – roll their eyes at you and then leave you when you've expired. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think that uh, women have these primal, insane selves inside of them that we're sick of pretending don't exist and sick of swallowing and pressing down so that we can play our type to serve a bad movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I also want to point out when I mentioned Wolf Court welfare queen earlier there's a character yes <laughs> who for listeners who haven't just so they know that i'm not like calling right. someone randomly welfare queen uh there is a character um who is her, i think on the show her her name is tammy 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 kind of like jack a uh, but, um but she plays the role of welfare queen which is a very interesting role i found interesting yes um do you know if like the original glow because the the way in which the series plays with the with the types <clears throat> is Sam Sam's character he keeps saying oh we have to like even when someone like Tam- Tame um, mm-hmm. comes to him and says 
look like I don't know how I feel about playing this welfare queen like right. what about my son like how is that going to look and he's like well we're just like breaking stereotypes like we're putting up these stereotypes to break them down right do you have any idea like did the original creators of the show of glow did they have that like did they talk about that being their their motivation because when I look at it it's like just as ridiculous and offensive in some ways as totally like, I mean see. wrestling was super offensive yes. in the 80s. They had crazy, insane um, storylines. Um, I mean, up until after 9-11, they had uh, a, a thing before the match where two guys flew some, flew like a fake plane into fake towers or something, and then they battled. I mean, they, they are trying to dramatize what's going on uh, in the current world, um, but it is it is crazy, mm. the, and we've come a long way in the wrestling world. But Glow is almost like the tamest version of what like the WWE was doing. Um, I mean, it's th- some of those matches I watched through my fingers, and we, we they had us watch some of the uh, racier stuff that I, I think the. WWF, I guess at that point, w- wishes would go away forever, but mm-hmm. it's out there on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like now we just live, thankfully, we live in a time where we can kind of subvert that. And it seems like the show, um, well, it, no, the show really does. Like, that's that's the goal is to to prove that women, these women are more than just the types. Yes. Um, and I yeah, I thought that was that was great. Yeah, I mean, it feels that way um, in mo- modern scripts sometimes, where you know, I I remember saying to a male producer once, um, I I kind of feel like you know we're not giving her a three dimensional self here, and they'll point to one word or one line, and be like, no, see, she she really gives it back to him here when she says. Here's your coffee. You know, she says it in a way that you can tell she has authority too. And then they'll cut that line. I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) right. So, yeah. I mean, the other thing about wrestling is that it's so, at least when it comes to men, it's so homoerotic. And, but like, yet it's supposed to be also like, like if women do it, it's not like sexy or it's, it's like women aren't supposed to do it, although we do have. That we do have women who have been popular in wrestling, though yeah. not on the same level right. as the men. Um, and, and in fact, the actress who plays Teme is is actually yes, a, Kia Stevens. Kia Stevens. She's an actual uh, awesome, awesome Kong is her wrestling name. Yeah, <laughs> but um, what what I always find funny about it is that like this is also the comparison that like when whenever I. I don't pay that much attention to to the NBA, but the NBA has so much drama, and I'm always like, this is like Hollywood, like so much backstage drama, right. of like someone yeah. sleeping with this this player's wife, blah uh-huh. blah blah. Right. And so I, I just think it's really funny. And at one point, your character it goes to a wrestling match, uh-huh. and, um, and you're watching it. And at first, you're not like you're like, what is this? And then you, as you're watching the storylines and you're being fed the storyline of what's happening in the ring, you're like, wait. 
this is actually no different right than a soap opera than a soap opera yes um which i just think is kind of perfect like it makes it it really i think exposes wrestling in that way yeah i had sort of a similar epiphany as my character about i had no idea that it was so story driven and that there were plots that went on for years um and that every match was like the next episode um you know, it in a strange way, again, during the election, it sort of helped me understand a Trump rally. Like uh, a wrestling match has a good guy and a bad guy. You know when to cheer and when to boo. Um, you feel like a warrior yourself. You can scream. You can beat your chest and it makes sense. Um, and you don't have to think about um the sadness of your own life (laughs) it's a fantasy yeah it's a complete fantasy it's and you know and and the 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 wrestlers are playing to the mezzanine you know when the rock raises his eyebrow you can see it from the top of the stadium yeah um but you're so right it's the guys are wearing the tiniest Ice capadesiest costumes, and yet it's like the height of machismo somehow. Yeah. You know, we had to work with uh, Chavo Guerrero Jr. was our wrestling coach, um, and he was in the WWE and created uh, Lucha Underground and comes from a wrestling legacy family. And then I had a scene um, with a wrestler and Kia Stevens, and I went into it thinking, uh, oh, these guys are going to have the craziest, out of con- most out-of-control egos. And actually, wrestling is the most vulnerable thing that you can do. You're giving your body to someone else in a tiny spandex thong, basically. Like mm-hmm. you're, You are flipping over and hoping that the other person catches you and spins you in the right way so you don't break your neck. So, And that translated to every avenue of their lives. They are the kindest, most open, generous, lovely people. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was such a shock to me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and what was it like training? Like how intense was that and like how many weeks did did you learn what you were doing and were were, were all of those did you have a stunt double or was it all you we so we had stunt doubles we had uh shauna duggins and helena barrett were our stunt doubles but we did everything um but they you know wrestling is designed to do once for 11 minutes and we would shoot a wrestling match for 12 hours so and then you know get up the next morning and do a crying scene. Um, so it just wasn't sustainable for us to be the bodies in the ring for the whole 12 hours. Um, so they would do, you know, wide shots with the stunt doubles or and then put us in and sort of switch us out. Um, but we did everything. Uh, and But they, they were also there to um, help with the training. We trained for about four and a half weeks before we started shooting with uh, Shauna and Helena and Chavo Guerrero and then throughout shooting. So like five months total. Yeah. Wow. And it was, we started with somersaults <laughs> and <laughs> thought we were looking really badass and then watched a video of like a playback. And we're like, oh yeah, it's a very slow, safe somersault. Um, but then the next week we we're doing body slams and back bumps, front bumps, all that stuff. Wow. That sounds very intense. Uh, it was really fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And where do you hope? I imagine there will be a season two. I hope it seems like the way in which it ends, it's setting it up for hopefully season two. I hope so. From from your mouth, I have I have <laughs> no idea. Yeah. yeah. 
comes out Friday, or I guess today, technically, when this yeah. comes out. <laughs> yeah, as of as of this, uh, the day this podcast is released, uh, it will be available for folks to check out. Ooh, awesome! So, my final question for you yeah. is: When? What is the last time? you watch something on film or TV that you weren't personally involved in uh, that you felt as if you saw yourself represented on screen? The last time I felt I saw myself represented on screen. I mean, I, it sounds egotistical to say, but Wonder Woman, I thought I could lift a bus and throw it across fifth avenue after i saw that why do you think it sounds egotistical i don't know to be like <laughs> i really am like wonder woman but i guess we should all i don't know i mean i that but that's the like i feel like that's part of the point of that movie yeah is to make women yes feel like that yes yeah but i i i connected to the narrative like mm-hmm. usually superhero movies i kind of zone out plot wise and i sort of poke my husband and i'm like what's why are they doing the, what's the tank for i, I don't <laughs> let's rewind um but this, I, I was with her every step of the way. The mom stuff being like realizing that her her mother having to let her go but not wanting to let her go uh, and realizing she's imperfect and also powerful and realizing that men are disappointing but also just scared little boys who need love and realizing that there's no love in the world and realizing that there's so much love in the world all at once. Mm-hmm. I mean, I I was like, this is the, I, I connect to this. Um I mean, I just cried and cried. Did you like it? I was gonna, I was gonna ask if you cried because everyone I, well, not everyone I know, but I felt like my newsfeed was lots of women who were like, "I cried during Wonder Woman." <laughs> I did not. Um, <laughs> partially, like you, I'm not really a huge superwoman or superwoman superhero. You are a superwoman. I know. <laughs> I'm not really a superhero fan, and I also, I don't know. I, I think I feel like what Wonder Woman is to a lot of people. Black Panther will be for me mm-hmm. just because I don't know I I couldn't see myself in Wonder Woman yeah but I can definitely see myself this is egotistical Lupita Nyong'o's character like yes. I don't be her <laughs> I don't so, even know what character she's playing but just make me her Sidel <laughs> Noel who plays Cherry in uh in Glow is in Black Panther that's right yes yeah she's yeah. also a great character there's just so she's many amazing. great characters in Glow yeah like, yeah I I really do hope that there's another. Another season, because yeah, <laughs> I mean, in the it, you know, I've done so many auditions where you do your scene, you feel like you crushed it, and then they're like, okay, so we're just going to do a full body slate, and the camera zooms out, and you have to look at them, and then turn your body this way, and turn your body this way, and then turn to the back so they can see your butt, <sighs> and then and that's Wonderful. how you sign off. <laughs> it's like. Just to make sure if you uh, were maintaining any dignity here, just leave it all in here. Well, they call – well, at least when I was doing theater, there were cattle calls and that that's kind of like wh- what it feels like, right? Like yes. you were cattle yep. to, yep. Be, to be haggled at. Yes, yeah. So I try in those auditions to cross my eyes, make the weirdest choices, take the biggest, clowniest, monstrous swings – um, and sometimes they're like, she needs m- mental help. And sometimes they're like, we're going to let her do it and play it as a strange, deranged woman who lives under a bridge, but nice. still has to wear a tight dress. <laughs> there, there, Baby in, steps. Yes. Baby steps. Therein lies the rub. Yep. <laughs> well, thank you so much. Thank buddy. you so much for having me. Thanks. Thanks. 
That's a wrap, and thank you for listening, as always. Represent is produced by the lovely, amazing Verilyn Williams, and our social media assistant is Marissa Martinelli. Our intro-outro music is performed by the sweet San Francisco funk soul band Midtown Social. And if you're new or new-ish to our show and are loving it, spread the word via a review on Apple Music. It helps us get on other people's radars, and it also makes us really happy. We appreciate you guys. Until next time.